Welcome back, everyone, to the Color Authority podcast. I'm going to be interviewing Serena Confalonieri. She's a Milan-based designer and art director who works in the field of product, interiors, graphics, textile design. And she works with companies and artisans of excellence, both in Italy and abroad. She has a very distinctive style that is built around graphics, colors, and an emotional vision mixed with decorative hyperboles and geometric shapes. Unexpected subjects, chromatic and material combinations that are then morphed with anthropomorphic and zoomorphic inspiration. She gives life to projects where design is given a, let's say, ironic twist and vice versa. Playfulness is at the root of all her projects. Each project starts with her accurate research, which investigates the meaning and history of all elements involved, giving them a personal and fresh new interpretation. In particular, in-depth research on the surfaces are very crucial to her. And of course, this is to obtain impeccable results with a strong consistency in pattern, decoration and color. I'm so happy to talk to you, Serena. How are you this morning? I'm good with you, Judith. I'm great. Actually, the sun is coming through right now in Milan. So we are both in Milan. Spring is starting. Um, The the colors are coming into our beautiful nature. So I guess it's a good day. Serena, I ask everybody the same question that I have on my podcast. And I think this is now the fourth season. Um, It's it's been an important question. I know it's not the easiest question to be answering. (laughs) (laughs) But Serena, obviously, I also want to know what color is to you. I think, well, color is the first thing that we see. We see it from afar. We see the color before the shape. So I think that the color is something that sets an anticipation of the emotional tone of the interaction that we are going to have with this kind of object, product, uh, um, space. It's a kind of anticipation of what, experience we are going to have sometimes the experience is true to the color and sometimes no maybe it's tricky but yeah it kind of sets our expectations about the experience and sometimes color is a surprise right you never know like you have expectations about the color and about the product about the environment but sometimes the color is a is, is the surprise element yeah, because many times uh, I used to, you know, super neutral spaces. Uh, and when we find color, when we are not expecting it, it's a big, big, big surprise. But I also think it comes to my mind that it's very tricky sometimes because I think about, you know, all these, I don't know, medical supplies for kids uh, that are all painting bright colors and just to maybe, well, trick them in a good way so yes so it sets our expectation but sometimes it's always it's also quite tricky yeah color you know color psychology obviously it has a certain meaning so you react to colors in a certain way and that's obviously what people want you to um, but not always is color used in the correct way I I fully agree to that yeah sometimes you are tricked into especially with food (laughs) with food obviously you're tricked into eating things that possibly look healthy but they're not always (laughs) color plays a very big in your role for everybody who's who's not known your work I'm sure they're all going to be all over your Instagram right now 
But people that know you, obviously, you know, they know that color is a big thing for you. How do you pick a color? So what relation does color have when you pick out, you work a lot with patterns, you work with different textures and different materials. What what relation does color have when you design in your projects? Yeah, I have like um, a strong uh, identifying approach, very graphic. Uh, my style is, uh, is very recognizable and it's very colorful. My approach is based on an emotional approach. That means that uh, I like, like I said before, I like the color we set, you know, the, the, the use and the interaction that people will have with that kind of product or space and give uh, a sensational a feeling, something that will be remembered. Also, not just with color, but in general with my design, I try to design something that sets an emotional feeling, an emotional connection with the people. And it's something, I mean, that nowadays good design is not only uh, on a functional aspect, it is, of course, because it's the first thing that we have to keep in mind. But also, uh, since we are, I mean, I mean, overwhelmed with a lot of products, a lot of things, I think that a good design, it's something that you won't throw away in one year, two years, just because you set a kind of emotional affection to it. And color, I mean, it's a big part of this. Yeah. How do you, how would you like people to feel when they look at a Serena design? You know, what <laughs> is the emotion that you would like them to have? Yeah, I want them to be, I mean, happy and glad to see that kind of color and shape. Because as I said, we are overwhelmed by functional i mean by objects that we feel like we need them but at the end we don't <laughs> we have this kind of you know function and needs that somebody told us that we need to have but is it's not true most of the times so yeah i want to people to look at the object that i design and feel something positive and happy and something that detach my objects from all the others Function, just functional ones. <laughs> How can people recognize a true Serena? Like, what is your signature besides color? Or maybe it is color. Maybe you have one color that you always use, for example, or you have a set of colors. No, that you no, often it, de use. it depends because I think that with every every client, every with every project, I try to be. Even if my style is very strong and bold. I try to be always very respectful of what the client asks me because there could be, you know, many levels of interaction between my style and the request of the clients. Uh, for example, I designed for Gebrüder Dertone Vienna, which is a very historical, important brand, which has a very uh, recognizable brand identity. So yes, when I designed for them, I wasn't that bold with my reference colors and true and choices. I try to follow what they heritage, the image, and then from there we work with different color options. But we started with the um, natural wood, with black, with orange, which is the brand uh, identifying colors, and then. We worked on many other palettes, but we started from there because I think that 
we all have all the designers to make a good job have to respect the client and then in another level i just finished the interior design of a restaurant here in milan and also there i mean you are i use i like bold colors but when you have to interact with something like food or the identity of a uh, chef which uses you know kilometer zero you know very <laughs> Local, yeah, local food. Uh, he grows uh, his own vegetables. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't need to give my super uh, to overwhelm the space uh, and his approach, his, his philosophy with my super board approach. I have to make a step behind and listen to all of his requests. Then there are, you know, many levels until, I mean, my production, the products that I design. Uh, and I product there, there's a different level there. I'm super free to do whatever I want to mix colors. I'm free to, to apply my own taste and my own stylistic code without any kind of compromises. But I think that even with color, it's yes, it's something that it's really recognizable in my work, mm-hmm. but I have to have, I have to compromise with clients. I have it's right to compromise with clients uh, and companies and their needs uh, and what they like. Yeah. Is there, was there ever a time where you think color was not appropriate, like that you would not use color generally? You think that there is actually designs that either you did or that there are certain type of clients that do not require color. And, and why is that? Well, <laughs> in general, if they ask me to work on something, they know that I want to leave a black and white project. So yes, as I said before, the client with I uh, use less color with, it was Gabriel de Tonavienna because yeah, I started for a very neutral approach and from the use of neutral, natural colors, black and their brand colors. And then from there, we we move to more colors i think that's the 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 only company i work with that doesn't they didn't require color from me yeah now i would imagine that somebody connecting to you obviously they they sort of know that you're going to come up with the color proposal yes Yes, indeed well when you work with color every day and i think we are both this type of persons it is a challenge sometimes to use color in a new way, you know, to use color in an innovative way. What are new ways to use color, you think? Well, I think that a new, well, a new way, a different way to use color is not to use it in a commercial way. I mean, many times color is just, you know, an option, different options from the same object, from the same design, from the same furniture, according to the, I don't know, the color of the year, the choices of the year, just options. I mean, uh, one year could be pink and then green and then whatever. It's just a commercial approach. I think that the best way would be to find a way to find what's, really the best color for that kind of project well i understand that the commercial approach is something that we have to use of course to sell furniture but sometimes there are some kind of products that 
I mean, they, they require a different kind of approach. And I completely understand, I, I give you an example now, I completely understand that it's something that you cannot apply, you know, on big productions, big companies, but it's something we can try to do. For example, in my Nebula collection, which is a self-produced collection of blown glass uh, bong, water pipes, I think that the color is the, I mean, maybe it's the starting point of the collection. The characteristic is a mix of different colors because the inspiration is psychedelia from the 70s. And so all these kind of uh, psychedelic uh, experiences with drugs, the connection with the universe. So when I designed this, uh, this collection, for me, it was just the imaginary that I had in mind. It was related to that. Mm-hmm. And I started from that kind of technique, that kind of uh, mixed colors. And from there, I designed the collection. And I don't think that with solid colors uh, or uh, neutral colors would look the same. You wouldn't have the same feeling, the same, the same approach. Yeah, indeed. Because in this way, you obviously work with transparency because of the glasswork. I that's one of yeah. I think it's one of the projects that I like most of of your collection. I think it is. In the same time, it is trendy but it's also timeless because of the shapes that you've chosen and obviously the materials that you've chosen yes i love your champagne cups (laughs) okay thank you you work with we just talked about glass you work with a lot of different materials but you often also mix them in a very unexpected way where do you find your inspiration for different materials or for mixing these creations like is it on the streets? Is it traveling? How how do you find these inspirations? More, mostly, mostly traveling. I'm really fond of, uh, you know, ancient uh, culture and civilization and the use that they had of uh, basic shapes and colors, which I think is the... The, the perception that we have right now is the same as the Asian people had. You know, there are some basic feelings, basic thoughts, basic uh, influences that didn't change in our mind. So I think that coming back to that kind of roots, uh, that kind of simplified world is the most direct way to approach with a wide range of people. You know, going back to the ancient signs and simple shapes and that's it Mm -hmm. and yes so uh, travels and I'm really fond of textile design and I think that this comes from my mom because when I was young she was you know knitting and crocheting and uh, cross-stitching she told me some of these because I have to admit I'm not very good with my hands but I can cross stitch stitch and crochet and yeah that's it I always like this kind of handmade crafts and this developing in the years with my interest you know the textile style field and maybe I think that's why my first important project in uh, with design it was a rug and for the first years i mostly work with rugs and wallpaper and all this world related to textile and graphic design 
Mm-hmm. Do you think so? How how did you become actually who you are? How did you become a designer? Is it because of your mom? I don't know. I don't know. From the primary school, I, I was very fond of uh, drawing, which now I'm really bad. <laughs> I doubt. That, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was really fond of fashion. Mm-hmm. I didn't play with dolls, you know, as the family playing with dolls to pretend to have a family. No, I was teaching clothes for my dolls. I was into this. And then, I don't know, when I was the moment to choose my career, I started with architecture and then I moved into interior design. And that was okay because... In my mind, there's always a mix. I'm not a completely artsy person. There's always a mix, a balance between art and rationality. So I think that design is the perfect mix. Mm-hmm. And to get where I am, I mean, it's just constant constancy and perseverance. So that's it. Because uh, you have to study a lot uh, and be very, very serious about this because uh, you have to understand that to make this job, uh, it's not just something random. We have, you have to build your cultural basis uh, and go on and go on, go on. If you like it, if you're really passionate about it, uh, you just go on. And you can be talented, of course, but it's not enough at all. (laughs) At all. You need to keep working, right? You need to keep persisting, moving forward. Yeah, maybe if you are exceptional talent, that's it. It's done. It's perfect. I'm not. I need to keep working. I I had to build all of this. And And that's fine. That's fine. I'm a nerd. I like to study <laughs> and I like to go on this way. <laughs> well, in the meantime, you've become an internationally known designer, you know, from, from out of Italy. How do you think your designs are perceived internationally? Are they perceived as typical Italian or do you see yourself as an Italian designer? I think that the approach is very Italian. Uh, what they what they teach us at the university here, we are studying a lot about Munari and Enzo Mari. It's a very, 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 very serious approach based on the research and a very strong process that leads to the final product. So, I mean, for the process, Yes, I hope they can see that there is this kind of process. And for, I don't know, I think that mostly is what I told you before, working with simple colors and shapes and emotional design gets to the people because it's just emotions and and simple shapes, nothing complicated, something that even kids uh, or seniors can understand it's universal it's a universal language so we we've seen a lot of digital design and now with salona del mobile coming up i guess there's a lot of designers that obviously are also designing nfts they're going online what Mm -hmm. is what is your personal opinion on digital design and how that relates to generally the world of design? How how do you think those the physical relates with the digital? Uh, well, I don't really understand what's the 
what's the line, you know, the point between one and the other. Because sometimes I think, well, they are able to build this kind of imaginary landscapes uh, that are not, that it's impossible to make in real life. So I think, well, it's fine. It's a way to unleash completely your creativity and create a brand new world. It's wow, it's perfect. But then I think about also projects that were born in as NFT. I don't remember the name of the armchair that uh, was has been presented by Mui, the one with all these pink uh, Andreas Reisinger. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yes. And I think that it was, it was designed as NFT and then became real. So I think also that it's interesting this... Uh, and very stimulating because something which is not meant to be real, so maybe it's just something that uh, he didn't think about how exactly make it in real life, and then became real out of a kind of imagination who wasn't linked to the technique uh, most uh, structural part. I think it's amazing. I think that it could be something that move us, you know, even more water with our creativity and imagination and uh, break some links uh, the idea of the construction as something that holds us yeah, is that something what you are perhaps working on are you working on maybe also no imprint? everybody's telling me that i should <laughs> because it's the future but no well uh, i would say but what i think is interesting it's something like this i mean something which is not connected to reality can, can be real or not because many people told me oh, oh you should try to sell you know your pieces your vases as like uh, virtual pieces but I don't think it's, I don't find this interesting to have something that you already created in real life and you just sell it as virtual pieces. I think the key is to find something that works there and it's perfect. Maybe it could work then in real life, but it just works there and it must be innovative for that kind of uh, world. I have to think about it. It's not easy because it's another computer set of tools. <laughs> it's a di- I guess also designing for the digital world is it requires a different skill set. Um, and you are very hands-on, you know, especially because you work with textiles, you did the crochet and everything like that. It's diff- different to do something that's completely and only digital. Yeah. Yes, because many times you, when you are designing, you are already thinking about how to make it. So it's not easy to live behind that uh, kind of idea of, of mental structure. So lately, you've been commissioned by the city of Milan to bring more color in neighborhoods and to help these communities and hopefully bring along change. How important are those projects for you? And do you really think that that color can perhaps change life in these communities? Well, they have been very, very important to me because I mean, they, you are used to work, you know, with companies and on small scale, on small scale, and then work on a bigger scale and listen really firsthand to the needs and the necessities of people 
working in the, this kind of neighborhood it's uh, well it's really, really important it's a complete uh, it's not a different approach but it's something you know more real and in this case i was just last week i was talking at a panel of politecnico di milano about gender in urban planning in the city of Milan. And that was really interesting. And they called me, they asked me to talk about this project. And I never, I, I never think about it. There was like, you know, a gender approach in this design. But yeah, it's true because most of the times in the project I work with in the field of tactical urbanism, they rise from necessities of caregivers, which are mainly women still. And in this project, mainly in the piazza, in Quarto Giaro, the project Quadra, I gave an answer to these questions of all these women, which are the caregivers and take care of the kids and who needed a safe place outside of a primary school where they can stay, when they were they bring the kids in the morning, when they take the kids uh, in the afternoon and the kids can stay now, can stay there and play all the afternoon in this piazza that before was a parking lot. And yes, it's something very important because it completely changed the behavior of people in this kind of places. And also not just for the parents, for the mothers and for the kids, but also for people just living in the neighborhood that realize that they own these these public spaces it, they are not just something that municipality gives uh, gives us it's something that really we own and we have to take care of so when there was a parking lot there it was always full of garbage and neglected and now they have trees they have benches they have uh, you know, vegetable gardens, they all of these colors. And so I, they are more engaged in um, taking care of this and feel like these places are something that they really own. Can you explain a little bit about the design that you in the end applied, the graphics and the colors? Mm-hmm. So listening to what the needs were of, of this neighborhood, how did you then translate that into what in the end is a beautiful mural? We're talking about the piazza or the mural? Both of them, yeah, because there's there's two yes. different projects, right? Yes. For the piazza outside this uh, primary school, I work with mostly primary colors, very basic colors. I worked, uh, the design was structured on a grid that was followed the different functions on the piazza. So I had to leave a space uh, for the passage of ambulances and this kind of functional needs. I uh, make a smaller grid for the functional uh, uh, parts with games and bicycle racks and green and the vegetable gardens. And then a smaller grid the, um, for the social distancing just outside of the school doors. And as for the shapes and the colors, I like to resemble, you know, papers of the notebook, you know, with the square lines and the simple shapes that the kids learn to design, uh, to, to, to draw where, when they are at primary school. It was something that I think it was, you know, suitable for something, for a space for kids, 
but also came from a necessity because uh, I have to make, you know, a very simple, a very simple design, a very simple graphic, because it was something that was going to be created, not by professional, but the same neighbors, uh, students and parents and volunteers from other schools. So it, it's, it's something that we made in one weekend, two days and a half. And it was me. I, I was the only professional <laughs> doing this job. So it must be something that I was able to organize and make, you know, very well, not quickly, but, you know, it um, has to be easy because the kids uh, were painting and also the parents, but they are all people that are doing completely different job. <laughs> But it's nice. So you actually did it with the people of the community, with the people of the neighborhood and the children. Yeah. Yes, this is the important thing because once they work on it, they feel it like it's their own space. They own it and they want to go on taking care of this because they did it. Yeah, that's important. So they're part of it. And then obviously they they won't litter it again with garbage, graffiti and, and, and all of that, of course. Yeah. So you are actually the, the true example of, of, of some other designers and artists that actually are not only thinking about the commercial side of their work, of course, but also the social side and how your designs, your graphics can actually change life in, in these communities. Yeah, and I'm really glad about it. Uh, I would like to go on with this kind of project because, first of all, they're really satisfying for me because I really feel that I'm doing something that really matters. It's a small piece, but matters in some way. And 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 also they bring joy. I mean, when I was doing the mural, I was checking the works, uh, there are all people scaffolding, painting the mural. I was there, you know, checking the works uh, that everything was going in the right way. And I saw people passing by, looking up and smiling. That was the best. (laughs) That was (laughs) the best moment. Yes, because uh, and even even today I live uh, pretty close to this mural. When I when I'm there and I see people looking at it and smiling, it's really nice because it sets you know a different way to live uh, that small little small part of the city. But you know, changes something in yeah. people and gives them something. So when you're having a bad day, we know where you can we can find you. You're sitting on the bench in your own design. <laughs> yes. Well, looking at other people, looking at it. This yeah. is the most satisfying. Exactly. I can I can totally imagine that. So this was, I guess, this was a dream project of yours. But what is what would you really dream of designing? What would be your dream come true? I would like to explore more on mostly well interiors, but also products that hasn't been explored much by design. I mean, I designed the Nebula collection that were bombs, so related to the theme of drugs, the legalization of marijuana, etc. So another theme which is not well, not not at all, but not so much explored is death. I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a lot to do and a lot to, to bring. Yeah, at so, least not in Europe. Yeah. Not in Europe. You're right. Because yeah. in Europe, as much as drugs, it's still a big taboo. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a lot to bring on products. I mean, worlds, uh, on spaces. Uh, I think that it's possible. It's really possible to improve the perception and experience uh, of these important moments uh, with the uh, with design. And then, I mean, another dim project could be, you know, the interior design of a car because that's another point because many people spend hours in their cars every day and it's still super standard and gray and there's no way of personalization. There's nothing that you can bring. I mean, for many people, cars, interiors of the cars are like desks where they work, actually. <laughs> and yeah. they can't even bring, you know, a picture, a flower, something, or have, you know, the textiles of the car in a color that they like, because yeah. my interiors are great. <laughs> There's more than any kind of other option except for leather. So, <laughs> yeah. This could be very nice. So I would like to work in this kind of fields which are not design for design. I mean, design for furniture or design. So it's pushing the boundary. You want to push your own boundary as well. Also the boundaries of design, but also the boundary of taboo, the boundary of who you are as uh, Serena. Yeah, uh, the uh, the boundaries of um, behaviors because design, it's, uh, I think that the purpose of design is also changing the behaviors. They, we can do it, you know, with small things, with product design, industrial designs, with fun- adding functions, but also we can change the behavior and experience of many spaces and places, and we are not doing it. True. I think also, coming back to the theme of death, yeah, I think that in the US, we can find some examples but here in Europe, uh, no, I don't know why. <laughs> no, it's it's a. I think death generally is a di- difficult topic. So we we actually just yesterday they made the urn from for my father for my father's ashes, and my mom designed the urn together with my father's sister, who's an artist. So we used the uh, the Jinko Bilbao, so the the tree, which was my dad's favorite tree. And we designed it and, and we we actually made our own urn because the urn that we got was just so the horrible. options are terrible. Yes, yes. The idea came to me because yeah, uh, it was it was when I was thinking about okay, it, when I die, <laughs> we need to have a place to put my ashes, and I don't want to put to be put in none of those terrible <laughs> squared marble black vases not at all no and i don't want to be to i don't want my mom and uh, or my dad to be there not at all okay. so yeah yeah. <laughs> yes. See, that's that's where inspiration comes from when actually death happens or occurs or you start thinking about it you're like wait a minute no not like this yeah yeah what is next for your sirena what what's your next project? What are you doing for Mila Design Week? Yes, in one month <laughs> we are again in that week of the year. And then well, I'm going to have, you know, some not so typical project because I don't have many products or furniture. I work with an co- Italian company in some concrete panels, decorative panels, which is a new material for me. 
And then I'm going to have, you know, two setups. One for an exclusive event for an Australian company, which is called Dulux. And then another one for, you know, this is an old project that is coming out now. I designed the new menus for Acanto restaurant, which is the restaurant of Principe di Savoia Hotel. Mm -hmm. So this is going, we're going to have this presentation and I'm going to design a setup all made, made with food. Another brand new thing for me. What else? Ah, yeah, I started teaching this year at Scuola Politecnica, the design, and we are designing a piazza with the students, and we're going to to make it real <laughs> during yeah. that week. So another social project with the, the community to uh, redesign another square, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh. That's exciting. And to create a new connection between the school and the square and to create, uh, we want to represent uh, all of the culture while living in that neighborhood, which is uh, Bubiza, which is a very mixed cultural uh, neighborhood. And yeah, it's very interesting. Still a work in progress, but yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy of it. Yeah, I think a lot of people were looking out for for what you're going to be doing next. So uh, people are definitely excited, and I think this this is the beautiful, of course, of when you do these type of squares or murals. Everybody can come and see them, so they can come and yes. see their own Serena design in in the city of Milan. Yeah, and also well, it's something that it lasts. Yeah. And uh, it's not just one week or just one product that you're going to see online then, uh, and that's it. And yeah, it's something that does, it's something that uh, affects many people. And yeah, I'm really happy with it. Well, congratulations on, on all of those projects and best of luck for Milan Design Week. But uh, we are going to see each other, of course, in, in some of the yes. events. <laughs> yes. And thank you for being part on the Color Authority. Thank you, Judith. Have a nice day. I hope you enjoyed this last episode. If you are a fan of the Color Authority podcast, please let us know by reviewing and rating our show on whichever platform you're listening on. The next episode is coming out next month. And in the meantime, I'm wishing you a wonderful, colorful day.